Imagine a football platform where the world's best writers give you the real story about what's going on at United. Imagine no pop-up ads, no clickbait headlines and no ridiculous rumours to be let down by anymore. You don't have to imagine anymore. Meet The Athletic. No ads, no nonsense, just football. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand to start your 30-day free trial and get 50% off your annual subscription. The Athletic, the new home of football. Here we go again. It's Derby Day and I'm outside Manchester Piccadilly. It's half past three in the afternoon. I feel like we're stood in the middle of a storm which is not going away and it's been around for a long time. There is massive discontent among Manchester United supporters. There was an incident outside one of Ed Woodward's homes last night in Cheshire. There have been Glazer Out songs and anti-Woodward songs at recent Manchester United games. The results have not helped at all. Five defeats in a month. It's really bad. This is a a low point. Uh, Certainly in the last 30 years for Manchester United. And now we've got a City away. And I'm as confident going to the ground as I was when I went in December and I spoke to Sean Goulter on this podcast and then United won 3-1 imagine just imagine if that happened again I don't think it will I think the three injuries to Pogba McTominay and now Marcus Rashford are really damaging and we've got the Wolves game on Saturday there's talk of a protest which was covered extensively in the Tranmere podcast with a whole variety of opinions and there's, everyone's got the answer here. There's a thousand different opinions to how or if United fans should protest against the Glazers. Um, for now, the manager is getting support at matches, but clearly there's doubts about him as well, which are always going to come with results. Uh, on first viewing, I didn't think he was very wise saying what he said in the press conference ahead of the City game but on closer inspection I thought that's been taken out of context that's an off the cuff remark about uh, Alexis Sanchez about Bruno Fernandes Uh, Bruno you might know more by the time you listen to this Uh, the information which went out on Tuesday night was accurate I spoke to Sporting Lisbon I've interviewed their last two presidents I go there every November and they confirmed that there has been talks and said they would let me know when the deal had been done, and which means it hadn't been done. Clearly, everyone expects it to go through. There are 3,000 United fans got the game tonight. There should be a lot more. The allocation should be much bigger. I might try and speak to some City fans and some United fans as well. And, well... We're in the middle of a storm here. I said 30 years, I'm 46. I'm with a man who's probably won't be offended if I say he's a couple of years older than me. Mike Stoll. He runs a company which makes clothes in Manchester, England. You see in the 70s, when the governments were trying to close down the factories in Manchester, this man stood firm and refused to sell up, refused to sell out, refused to move from his factory in Cheatham Hill. They're still making clothes now. They're not the cheapest, I've got to be honest. They're absolutely beautiful private white clothes. And he's got these seamstresses from all around the world producing these works of art right on the banks of the River Irwell. And his passion when I speak to him, he loves football, that's why I'm going to get him on now. But he loves fabrics, he loves cottons. And he loves talking about textiles and the history of textiles in Manchester, formerly Cottonopolis. And... He's a big United fan, and Mike, I'm, I've built you up enough there, mate. Welcome yeah. to the United We Stand uh, podcast. Hi, Andy. You've followed the team for a long, long time. How bad is it now, or are we getting a bit carried away here? Carried away. It's a lot better than it was in the 70s. You know, it was terrible in the 70s. It's not terrible now. It's average now. It has been a lot worse. Um, and I think that they're probably going along the right lines if they can bring younger and younger players in, get the culture right at the club, get the people that have played there that understand it that understand what it stands for and I think they'll do very well Ollie's no stranger to the to the club he should get a lot of support 
and uh, they're not, not shy of spending money. They keep spending money. They've just got to get the team to play as a team. What's been your low point then, seeing as though we're talking about them as a United fan? What's been your worst moments? The low points were getting hammered all the way through the relegation season, you know, with the Newcastles and every time a star player came along, a Derek Dugan or a Malcolm McDonald or, you know, an Alan Clark just banging the ball past us with no defence at all. You know, it was shocking. You are watching Bobby Charlton almost grimacing, waiting for a team to materialise around. And th- those were bad days. You were there, you were going to Old Trafford in the relegation season. Yeah, no, I went to every game of the, um, of the revival season afterwards. I started at Orient. You know, for the first game back, Willie, Mor- like? Willie Morgan scored. It actually was fantastic because the spirit, when they went down, it all came back because United supporters will rally in a crisis. What they've got at the moment is neither a crisis nor a success. That's why they're, they're dissatisfied. They need a proper crisis to so rally around. So this isn't a proper crisis. Five defeats in a month is not a proper mm. crisis. You're a businessman. Can you understand why there's discontent against the Glazers, the owners? I can and I can't. I think that I, ha- I hated the idea when they came in. I hated the fact that the uh, the thing was being leveraged. I've been very impressed at the way that they've paid off the debt and they've managed they've to... They've not paid off the debt. It's still a huge debt. Yeah, but they, they pay off the debt and they carry on buying players. They spent more money on players, bigger wage bill. It's not it's not the Glazers that have made the team bad. It's uh, the end of the Ferguson thing, like the end of the Busby thing. It takes a bit of uh, getting over a really good, strong manager, a man that's running the club, stopping. You know what I mean? Taking hundreds of millions out of the club. Yeah, the but they've not stopped spending money on players. They've also made tons of money on sponsorships and deals and things that nobody would understand. I think. And again, they're not. My, they wouldn't be my ideal owners by what a million would you, miles. What would your ideal owners be? <laughs> A United supporter with a lot of money that uh, really didn't care about anything else but United. No personal interest. Just, you know, just enough of his own money to get by and uh, pockets full for everybody else. It's neither foreign, out of Manchester, just a normal local businessman that's done very Does well. Does that person exist? There's a lot of wealthy people in Manchester. Yeah, but we're you know, talking billions now. Not? Uh, there's a few billionaires. There's a few people there living in big houses with helicopters and things that go to United quietly. Do you know any of them? Mm, I yeah, do. do. I might do. <laughs> might know a couple. I might know a couple. It's just, it's. Can you have a word? <laughs> it's not that easy. Not that easy. No, I know it's not. And mm. I've been speaking to people myself. And I know it's extremely complicated. And and if you look what's up to the Glaciers, you've got to ask yourself. And Ed Woodward, you've got to, ask, got to ask yourself, why would you? You're living a nice, quiet life. You've got loads of money. You like United. You supported the team. Why would you want to have your house wrecked or have people insulting you for? You know, trying to do something. It's not. Uh, they're not actually advertising it as being a good job owning United at the moment. Where are the problems, then? Oh, I think the problems are that they've got to get the culture right at the club. It's like any other business. They've got to get the the people wanting to go through glass walls for the uh, for the team, for the badge, for the supporters. They've got to feel confident they can make a mistake, which isn't easy when you're losing. They've got to enjoy each other's company, which isn't easy when you're swapping the team round all the time. Yeah, maybe the youngsters are coming up. Your McTominays and people will create an atmosphere from the youth. And when you get a good player in, a fabulous player in, maybe they'll inspire them to want to play for the club. I think Mourinho didn't do that. I think he brought in good players. He was hoping Ibrahimovic would be his, uh, his talisman. Didn't last long enough. Pogba didn't step up quite enough to, to be the man that they all rallied around. Bit sulky, bit miserable. Doesn't take much to, to put cracks into spirit, does it? Where do you sit in Old Trafford? Oh, I sit in the North Stand, facing the uh, the managers, literally. Right exact exact seats? No. Before. Normal seats? Normal seats, How yeah. high up are you? I'm three in front of the execs. I'm a very, very lucky boy. You've got the best seats in Old Trafford. They could give me a little bit more leg room. You've got, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that goes back to 66, when they built the, the cantilever. No, I love, I love the seats. You've I got the best on. seats in the ground. I love it. I love it. And the people are serious about the football there. There's no... We're not a protesting, screaming bunch. They're not the biggest singers in the world, but they really, really care the people around me. How old are they? My age. That's right. the trouble. Well, I wouldn't expect them to be singers or no. protesting. But I think that... The, the, are you the, going to the Wolves game on Saturday? Yeah, of course. Of course. Would you protest? Would you leave the ground early? No. no. Why, why not? Because I just wouldn't. I don't think... I can't imagine how... Protesting. I can't imagine setting fire to Ed Woodward's house. He's going to make him do a better job for United, a better deal. I'd be pissed off if I was him. I'd be saying, you know, you've got these bastards setting fire to my house. I've signed them all these players. Not set fire to his house. They'd like to. They'd like to. If they had the chance, if they had the guts to do it, they'd, they'd, burn, him, they'd burn him on a bonfire. And he knows that. 
But he's negotiating for players for us now. You know, you want to get... It's a, it's a togetherness that the, the whole club needs, not a, not a division. If you're to get anywhere, you need to be together with it. It's easy to criticise, it's hard to do. You're know, dealing with millionaire footballers. You try talking them into coming to you when you're not top of the table, you've not got the, the manager that everyone wants to play for. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a task for everybody, I think, at the moment. You have a team spirit in your company. Fabulous, yeah. absolutely fabulous. And everyone's got to buy into it. Absolutely, we're 100% quality. If you, if you want 100% quality, you can't have Mary or, or Dorota or any of, the, any of the 23 nationalities we employ pulling the face and not interested because it shows in, it shows in the garments. So you've got seamstresses, Manchester girls, Salford girls, as well as people from around the got world. Everything. Who've known that that's their skill. That's their skill. That they've all come. They've all come to as mercenaries from countries not as well off to try and, which is a typical Manchester thing. It's been for centuries. You know, it's the immigrants an immigrant coming. City, isn't it? It's an immigrant city where people come with a good attitude, to earn as much as they can and work, which is what makes Manchester great, in my opinion. So it goes back to the, the Flemish weavers of the 13th. It does. It goes all the way century. back. It goes back to the Peterloo Massacre. It goes back to a sense of belonging, a sense of strength. It's a great place, Manchester, and the football teams reflect that. Was it a great place in the 70s when they were closing down the factories? Did they try and close your factory down? They shut every factory but mine. The 350 went. We were the, probably the one that won, the last one, the one that survived. Why? Why did you... Team spirit, bloody-mindedness, you know... Against who? Well, against imports, really. You know, when everybody was importing, it was an easy dollar to take. Move your machines abroad, bring it in cheaper. Everyone's piling them out and selling them cheap. It's difficult to go out and say, this is my price. We're sticking to this. And the reason is this, that and the other. People didn't want to know for a very long time. You had to find reasons, you had to find angles, you had to find, you had to be a jump ahead of everybody else, and that's not easy. And, easy. and the local authorities, did they support you? Did the government support you? At the time, funnily enough, the Labour Party were in the minority, and they were trying, uh, certainly in the 80s when I was trying to get going, they were trying to be the opposition at that point, and they were trying a bit, but they were very limited, they had no money. It was all, you know, it wasn't in their hands then. Difficult. And now, where, do, where are your products sold? Is Manchester on the label seen as a positive? Because if I'm a football journalist and I travel around to a country and I say I'm from, from Manchester, ears prick up straight away because they, they associate that with football. Yeah. And maybe in certain areas of the music industry it's the same. What about in the fashion industry? I think Manchester's a popular place in a lot of the world. In the, some of the places, if you go to America, there's a lot of Manchesters. And they don't yeah. quite get it, but okay. uh, but, then, yeah. but some of them, you know, certainly in in Europe, I think people know. And you go to Milan, they know Manchester. They've played football against us. Yeah. They know it's a hard working place. And I think the products stand up for themselves. And I think people respect Manchester as being a good place. People respect England as being yeah. a quality place. What's made in England is considered to be good. Yeah. That's why Nissan and everyone brought the cars here to be made. They, they know they get a good job done. And who buys your clothes? Uh, all over the world. A lot go to China now. A lot go to the uh, Asian countries, but we've got 40 different countries buying them. Celebrities? You know, oh, all the celebrities. Do all they? the celebrities, yeah. Which ones? Oh, I think John Bishop's got a bit, Michael Vaughan's got a bit, uh, uh, Danny Willits has got a bit, in every different way. Cumberbatch, he's. Um, Cumberbatch. He buys your stuff, doesn't he? Deck, Deck, Anton Deck. Do they? They yeah. buy Manchester clothes. They get a little bit. Do they? Yeah. And um, there's other lads, there's a really famous one. I remember seeing The chefs, it. Jamie Oliver and uh, Tom Kerridge. And, yeah? Yeah, there's, I just, the list is endless. Any Dave, of the David Gandhi. Well, Rio was uh, seen out in a pair of pyjamas and our jeep coat. So got him snapped in that, wearing one of his wacky under outfits with a lovely, lovely uh, big coat with a fur collar on. Yeah, Rio's got some. We need to do that. Uh, Mourinho had a, had, a, had a coat, got a lovely picture of Mourinho in one of did, our mats. Did he come in and buy it? I'm not sure how he got it, but I think the Lowry came and bought it for him. Did they? The Lowry Hotel, yeah. So I came to Cheetah Mill, or yeah. you've got a shop in Mayfair as well. I think we knew the manager at the Lowry. I think he was a, he was a customer. We need so to do a good. collaboration with United We Stand. Can you yeah. knock us up some T-shirts? I'd love to. I'd yeah. love to. Well, made, made in Manchester. Could you do that? Yeah, Where would the cotton could. come from? From English fine cottons in really? uh, yeah in Duckingfield. So it, it's spun in Manchester spun again. In Manchester. First time in 60 years it's coming back a little bit. It'll be Cottonopolis again eventually. We'll see to that. Private White will see to that. Make sure it happens. And you're interested in the history of it being Cottonopolis, this, this very, very, textiles very, capital. Because even now in Australia, we've, we've got a lot of listeners in Australia. Hello to you all. I know um, I've mentioned Brisbane a few times and Perth. 
but I've missed out Melbourne and Sydney. <laughs> I've had complaints. So I, uh, I apologise for that. And anyone in Darwin, I'd love to hear from someone in Darwin the or lad, Adelaide the, the or lad, Canberra. The, the lad that sat next to me, a wild United supporter, almost wanted to always be in a fight with somebody for many, many years. Grew up next to me. He went to live in Perth because he said it was more English than, than England. He could watch all the United games on Sky. Well, we started this season in Perth. Manchester United played against Leeds United and... I think there's a bigger Mancunian expat population in Perth than any city in the world. It's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing. Huge numbers of people who've moved moved from there for various reasons. But my original point was that Manchester's there is is linen. Yeah. And I think in in America as well and even in... um, They call Manchester cloth corduroy in in Italy. Do they? It's called Manchester, yeah. The corduroy, yeah. And in, in, in mm. Barcelona, Poblinao and Sabadell, which is like their version of Rochdale, mm. used to be called the, the Catalan Manchester yeah. because of the textile links. So well, Manchester, it was King great Cotton. place, great place, great place. No, we, we exported all over. And I think we put Manchester on the studs and everything because we believe in it. And I think if you believe in something, which is back to the football again, if you believe strongly in something, you'll make it happen. You've got to have the belief. You can't do that. You can have the best 11 players in the world playing together. And it's, we've seen this at World Cups with teams that have just not performed with great players. You know, what's gone wrong with them? Not together. It's the togetherness that makes it. You know, we had best law, Charlton. The year that United got relegated, they couldn't score a goal at all the whole season. You looked at the top scoring charts. It was Don Givens, ex-United, Dennis Law, ex-United, Alan Gowling, ex-United, the three top players. At one point, Alex Stepney, the goalkeeper, was, was the leading scorer. Was the top scorer. I know. I know. They gave him the penalties today, that's why. But it was just ridiculous that they'd let three players go that were scoring goals for fun in 74 that weren't playing for United. And God knows who we had up front at the time. So the parallels was... now with Lukaku going to Italy and doing well, Smalling going to Italy and doing well, change of environment, more positive environment, feeling more support, feeling the confidence. Confidence is lifted. You've got to believe that if you've got the right manager at United or the manager had been backed in the right way, the club had spent a bit of money on a lick of paint on the stands and made it feel good for everybody rather than this is where I think the Glazers have gone wrong they've not invested enough in the ground you go I've to written, City's I've ground I've that more than any journalist mm, I've actually seen evidence this season of money going into the ground yeah and there's construction going up going up now but they left it for too long it got a bit sad got a bit sad there was peeling paint on the white Pe- girders mm. I became sick of writing yeah. it became like uh, the joke in the uh, Reggie Perrin thing where the letters were all lit up you know, it's just not quite, you know, sunshine desserts. It didn't just have the zip about it that made people think, I've arrived, I'm, oh, I'm in somewhere really special here. <gasps> the bandage, look how well-dressed, look how confident he looks. Look, oh, he's not miserable, he's, you know, he's got a smile on his face. Moyes and Mourinho, miserable, you know, dour. When they were at United, now the pressure might have got them, something got them, because I'm de- I dare say if I met them in real life, they'd be absolutely sparkling, wonderful people. But they didn't come across like that. They wouldn't, the players would have probably been a bit frightened. Young lads, miserable manager, doesn't do it. But it's hard, to spark, it's hard for Ollie Gunner to sparkle now when... He's doing better than the others have done. He says the right things, he, he, he smiles. He looks 100 years older than he did last year, but he's, not, he's taking the pressure. He's doing what he's been trained to do and he's doing it well. He needs, he needs a lot of backing. He needs a lot of love, that lad. He can't just leave him on his own to, to hang. Because you could get anybody. Gigs would be exactly the same. Anybody would be the same. You need a big personality. Or you have to wait until, the, like Ferguson, until it's been years and years and people have forgotten about it and they don't care. They're willing to give it six years for somebody because they've already given up the ghost that it's going to be an instant fix. And You know, I mean, look at how long Ferguson took. He signed, he signed Ralphie Milne, Jim Layton. Ralphie Mill's probably the worst player I've ever seen at United, ever. Of all the bad teams I've seen, he was the winger that couldn't wing. You know, and yet... He only cost 130 grand from Bristol City. It was no, a strange they signing. They put him on the wing. They put him on the wing near me where I was watching the game and I'm thinking to myself, what am I watching with this guy? What is he doing? I could do that. I think it's because he, when he'd been at Dundee United six years earlier, he'd given Fergie's Aberdeen a bit of a, a torrid time. But that was six years and earlier, and that was in what Scotland. Was the, what's the excuse for Jim Layton? Yeah. You well, know, he was a good goalkeeper in Scotland, and then mm, came. It took Ferguson six years to work out what they needed for the English league. It took him two years when Mourinho came to realise he had to up the game. You know, it's, it's, you've got to know what your target is, what your aim is to get something right. It's not easy. Who dresses well in football, finally? Well, Mourinho's a smart dresser. Yeah? You've got, you've got to give him credit. How would you describe his style? 
His style's very Portuguese, but he's very smart. He wears it well. He's, he holds himself well. He wears something that looks good in it. Jamie Redknapp, I think, uh, is a poster boy. He looks really, really good. Lineker's, for his age, is a you know savvy, savvy dresser. The younger lads, not so sure. I mean, they don't look bad when they're out. They're trendy. The Rashfords and the Lingards and everything, they look, they look good to me. Don't look bad. I don't think any of them dress particularly badly. It's Too well paid, aren't they? Yeah, with that sort of money, you'd... You think by accident they dress well, wouldn't you? Although my mum always said if you've got style, you could wear a bin liner and, and carry it off. What they're doing wrong is they should be wearing Manchester-made clothing. That's what they should be doing. They, you know, part of the thing, you know, get up from the roots, wear it, feel it, be it, do it. That's so Manchester clothes for all the youth team players? For everybody. Actually, for I actually like that idea. For the whole club. Just be brilliant. Get because, them smart. You know, in, you know in Italy, every club has their suits issued by, like, it might be Prada or Gucci or Trasardi, mm. and... It's well known within Italy which club are wearing which suit. Mm. So when I went to Juventus a lot in 15, 16, they had these Trasardi suits on. Yeah. And, and, and that wasn't inside information. Everyone knew it. Yeah. And the companies wore it as a, as a badge of honour. We're supplying Sampdoria this season, for example. Mm. Don't really get that. You've got to be cool. I remember Liverpool turning up in a load of white suits one of the cup finals, and we knew they would be when they came out in the so white suits. So what did suits. you think? Of, you're, you're a fashion man. When mm. you saw Liverpool walk out that day... I thought they beat. At Wembley, I really? Thought, really? I you... thought they beat. I thought, look at them. They, they're going to feel conspicuous. They weren't looking cool. They were looking forced. They were Armani. Doesn't they were matter. Armani. Doesn't matter. They were white. They got, they, they got it wrong. You don't wear white suits. You turned up, on the wrong, you turn up in the wrong outfit. You're looking wrong, feeling wrong. I bet they're glad to get in the kits that day. You know, it's just uh, being on national television, looking like I don't know. They were looking like looking like a bit poncy, weren't they? Looked looked a bit ridiculous. They were beat. You've got to get you've got to get the, the look right. You've got to feel good. You've got to you've just got to be right, haven't you? Right. Can I have a prediction, please, for tonight's game? I don't. Manchester I don't want to say. It's a horrible question. I don't want to say. I haven't got. A I can I can't say United are going to get beat. I just couldn't. Uh, no. I couldn't say the words. But uh, realistically, if they, if they come out of tonight on Sky, then they should uh, give Ollie a five-year contract. They if, get, they, if they go through, if, if they go Wembley. through tonight, give him a five-year contract and say you're on, you're on, lad. Get on with it. That's the confidence boost. But uh, I think they've got a big ask. I think City won't want to let them off the hook tonight. I just can't see it. Thank you for your time. Thank you. So there's a couple of hours to kick off and I've come in a pub in central Manchester to meet a couple of City fans. So we've had away fans on this podcast the last few weeks. We've had the Liverpool fans on there, which you all loved. And then we had the Tranmere fans on on Sunday. And I'm sure they, they were on something, but I don't know what. Maybe it was just enthusiasm ahead of playing Manchester United. If you've not listened to him, listen back. Um, with a couple of City fans, uh, Dan Taylor, I've known for a long time. He used to do a City fanzine. And I apologise for the background noise, but this is how it is. This is real life. We're not in our bedrooms. We're in a, a pub. And Dan Taylor did the big interview in the current United we stand. And we've had some very good feedback from it. And people saying, liked it, don't agree with some of the stuff he said. Well, you wouldn't do, but... Uh, I think they, they respected him as a proper blue. We went to the game, gone to the game, home and away for years. And I, I enjoyed reading it anyway. And that's why we gave it four pages. And Simon, who's, who's a City fan from, whereabouts are you from in Manchester? Uh, Gorton. From Gorton. So I'm going to leave here and going to head up towards the ground. Um, forget the result of the first leg. I think City won at half-time. Can't, I can't remember. But I know United need to win well tonight and it's probably not going to happen. It was 3-1, Andy. Right, it was 3-1, was it? I put, um, I put a tweet out the other day saying, this is the first time United have scored six since 2011. I can never recall Manchester United conceding six in a game. And I had, like, loads of people getting it, but I had hundreds of people going, what about the 6-1 against City? Yeah, I see that. And... Um, like, there's a few City fans sort of live off the back of that result, so they still go on about it, still sing about it, but... Is that I know you're not really asked about that, are you? But, I mean, I do think... I do have a feeling it's going to be a big win for City tonight. I just do you? Feel, yeah, I do, yeah. I do still, um, I mean... I'll warn tackle. you that the last person who predicted a big win after winning in the home leg was a PSG fan. Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> no, I, I think you... Pr- I think... I, I can't, think if, I can't see United go to Wembley. If De Bruyne and Aguero are playing, I think it's a much more potent 
forward line, you've obviously got to come out, which is going to leave some spaces. I think you attacked us perfectly on the counter-attack last time round. Uh, I remember seeing the game against Spurs, you won three, four days before, and, and seeing you kind of push down the channels and thinking, we're going to have problems here. I don't think we'll make the same mistakes uh, again. Um, and I think if you... Um, I, I do think that City will, will win well tonight. Um, so you mentioned Aguero. For yeah. me, that's one word. It's it's 93 minutes and whatever it was. Every City fan says that's the greatest moment supporting their club. What's your second greatest moment? Wait, it, sorry, just about Aguero. It shouldn't be just one moment. Even as United fan, you know, you had Van Nistelrooy and all these players. You should appreciate Aguero as one of the best strikers. Oh, he's brilliant, of course he is. Not just the Premiership, but the Football League has ever seen. I mean, he's only plays about fucking 25 games a season, and he's always 20 odd goals. He's never been in like the PFA um, or the Football Writers uh, team because, you know, it's always Vardy's had a good season or whoever's had a good season, Drogba, you know, what a bollocks. Is he, is he your, who will be your most popular player among fans who go home and away like you lads do? Well, I think Aguero would be. I think, well, for the job he does, Fernandinho, I think, and De Bruyne is, is recognised the best player. Edison as well. Edison. Yeah, yeah. He, that, that spine. So we need, for the winner of the Champions League, we need that spine to be playing. Edison, Laporte, Fernandinho, De Bruyne, Sane and Aguero. If them six are all starting, we've got a chance. Um, but Aguero, I mean, I think of Aguero as one of the best players of all time. He could catch Rooney's record. I think it's beyond Sierra and Rooney now, isn't he? So, um, What's your second best moment? Ever as a boy? Yeah. It's got to be Gillingham, hasn't it? Gillingham. Has to be, yeah. And for me, it's, it's probably even the most important moment in City's history. Uh, because if we're not won that game we could we could have still been down there now you see a lot of big clubs and stuff I mean they always most big clubs do bounce back um, but I mean without that we might not be where we are now uh, and that's all that led to back to back promotions as well we went up again the following year okay we went down under Joe Royal and then Kevin Keegan took over and since then okay we've had Stuart Pearce as manager that started off okay and then it went a bit pear shaped couldn't even score a goal at home for what nine months uh, but we've managed since then like uh, pretty much be ever present in the Premier League which if we'd not had that then we wouldn't have had the takeover because I don't think uh, the guy who owns us now would have even looked at us if we were in the Championship or lower so yeah I'd say the Gillingham was probably the Aguero moment as it was in terms of how big it was yeah definitely the best moment but I think the Gillingham one was was up there with it as well and Gillingham, May 99, obviously one of the great, probably the greatest moment in United's history. Yeah. How did you think of United at that time? Um, well, I was gutted that night you, you, you won the Champions League. Was it four days before, was it, on the on the Wednesday? Um, you know, you won the league as well in the FA Cup, all this space of about 10 days. But obviously we still had a big game ourselves to concentrate on. I'm not lying here. A lad who we used to go in the pub with, a United fan, he, he, he was in the new Camp and he loved it when United uh, obviously won the treble in the Champions League. But I also have it on record that when he was back in that pub four days later and when City um, did what they did against Gillingham, he was almost in tears, like, you know, he brought him back down to earth, like... But, but a lot of his United supporting mates were saying, oh, it's good, for, it's good for Manchester and all this. And they were die-hard fans as well, but they were probably still buzzing off United winning the treble, so they weren't bothered, but he was, had his head in his hands. So he was gutted? He was devastated. He was devastated. just won the treble, yeah, and he's yeah. devilled because you've been promoted yeah. to the yeah, second but, division. But at the end of the day, like that's what, what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Football banter and that. like, And, and even though you know United had only done it four days before, I suppose eventually you come down a little bit off that, don't you? <laughs> Can I just give a slightly different view? I was with Sam for a long time about the Gillingham game, but I feel a bit differently about it now. It's a, it was an important game at that time of our history, and everyone knows we, we might have gone bankrupt if we don't have gone up that year, but the semi-final, I alluded to this in the, in the uh, United we stand, the semi-final against United in, horrible, uh, horrible day. was um, as a day where we kind of horrible. took the ascendancy of United because it was the end of the banner, the end of the 35 years. I know we had the final to come, but it was the first time we'd sort of raised our game in the big final and I'm a believer that sort of went you know uh, quarter final against Liverpool FA Cup 88 got a levered 
Uh, Spurs 93, we had to win the cup because United were going to win the league, got leathered. And it's on the, the first time we turn up for a big game and we actually got over the line. It was kind of a, men a mentality change within the club. Even though the players were against Mancini at the time already and Vieira gave the team talk at half-time. Did he? Yeah, and because and, and, uh, there were two holding back and United had, Berbatov had two sitters in the first half and uh, the second half, actually David Bernstein got us the cup because he banned Rooney on purpose um, Rooney had the, uh, the three-game band, didn't he? And he, he wanted to play in the semi-final. <laughs> but, um, so, that was an important game. But I remember 99 because um, I was seeing... You know, I was the one time in my life I'd gone out with a United fan. Um, the girl from Withington called Sarah Bullitch, and um, she went to the fucking parade, you know, that we won the cup and everything. And um, when, when United won the European Cup in 99, I was kind of 99% angry stroke hatred and 1% proud because at least it was something to do with Manchester sort of thing. The next day I fucking stayed in because of the, the parade. And she went to the parade and decided, oh, she came back saying, oh, I saw Teddy, Teddy, obsessed about Teddy Shelligan. I decided there and then I was going to finish with her. So uh, she works at a uh, place called Expert Helps, like does um, hotel bookings. She got us this class room in London for the for the playoff final. Two nights in London, found a uh, 250 quid night room, got it for like 10 quid. But I decided, I took the Monday off to, I've been on the piss all weekend, Tuesday I finished with her. Because we just, I just don't do reds, basically. So. I, like, I like these 1% margins. I've, I've said a few times my sister married into a big blue family. And I hope City lose every game and now I don't think I'll ever change. And it kills me that I've got little nephews who are City season ticket holders. But when United reached the final in Stockholm, obviously coming straight after the, the Manchester bomb, got a message off one of them saying, I don't give a fuck, I hope you win. Oh, whoa, he just said... That was, a, that was the first time, and probably the only time, I would say, probably it was half and half in the city support about they wanted to win. When United won the game, I wasn't Barcelona, let him have it. The only thing I was asked about was Mourinho at the end when he was doing his three fingers, because he was counting the charity shield as one of the trophies, which is small time, and then he was making it about him, not the fucking trophy win which he needed. And Lingard being a bell end, uh, obviously, on the, you know, why don't City fuck off home? Football had fuck, fuck all to do with it. It was about what happened to, uh, what happened in our city. And people, I know people, the police were like, nail bomb. They've seen the footage, people were picking up hands, oh, eyes, all over the place. And for Mourinho to make it about him, and not, when one of your fucking he slagged off Rafa Benitez when he went to Inter Milan, he said, um, "Why is uh, why is he won the World Club Championship when I've got one in the European Cup?" He only won the fucking um, Charity Shield, one of his three, because Van Gaal won the cup. You know, so he's he's inherited that fucking trophy. So, which trophy would you most like to win this year? And 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 how I'm I'm probably leading into how does City fans feel? about the, the Champions League, the European Cup, because I get mixed sort of responses when I... Right. And this is someone who's probably going to be sent to Madrid next month to write about you. I'd still want to win the Premier League, but it's not happening this year, right. so... But, but it, at the start of the season, what, yeah. what would be your order? Uh, the pre Premier League followed by the Champions League. Right. Um, Champions League for me? Well, I, I actually don't have an issue with the teams that can beat in it. Um, I've had some great away days and that, so that... You know, it's a fantastic competition. I just think that it's City fans feel that they've been picked on a little bit by UEFA, not just with the financial fair play thing. The bit about um, City being fined more for turning up late on the pitch a minute after the game, you know, a minute after half time, than uh, I think Porto fans were, were fined for racially abusing Mario Balotelli. Like, it's just stuff like that. It just winds me up. And I don't. And also, the thing that winds me up most about UEFA isn't anything to do with that. It's the fact that when we played CSKA in Moscow away, our fans were locked out of the ground and had already booked travel and bought, you know, booked hotels. Um, that was horrible. I know some yeah. of the lads who went. Yeah. And okay. the proper blues, them. Yeah. I know them. Yeah. And they got stitched up as well. Yeah. They, they got the in the ground. A couple didn't get in as stewards. They put on the bibs and got in. Like, but... I know. And, um, yeah. and he's through CSKA. Hello, Chris, so... if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah, and it's through CSKA's own uh, racist behaviour of their fans, so why were our fans locked out? They should have let our fans in and locked their fans out, but about three or four hundred of their fans got in through various means, and it, it just left a bit of taste in the mouth. And I mean, OK, we, don't, we probably don't get on that well with Bayern Munich, but we actually get on well with them as a fan group, and there was a bit of solidarity there when we played Bayern Munich in the 
home game of the same group a few months later, a couple of few weeks later, because Bayern Munich fans had the same problem as well. So there was a bit of a, protest, a joint protest against UEFA for, for both sets of fans being locked out. Yeah, I've got to say something. A lot of club, you know, um, Bayern Munich fans don't see us the same as Rap, uh, Red Bull Leipzig or anything like that. You know, they, they, they kind of know we've got an history. We won the European trophies before Liverpool and Juventus and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So we've not won anything since. Does but, that annoy you if fans perceive you to be? Uh, well, uh, uh, we've got old and new fans, haven't we? Yeah. You know, anyone's got a new fan base. And, and, and are the new fans an issue for Blues? Uh, I think they were at first, but now it's more of the club assimilating them and, and, and thinking that the old fans should fit in with the way the new fans should behave. No, the new fans should fit in with the way the old fans behave. You know, it's about the traditions of the club, you know, you've got to have something which makes you blue. Not just, oh, I've got a season ticket because I think we're going to fucking win the league. What do, you miss, what do you miss about the old city? Do you miss Main Road? Do you miss the... Yeah. You miss Main yeah. I miss Main Road badly. Really badly. I miss going to Main Road. But I like old football grounds. Only because like you used to beat us then. No, I, I like going to old football grounds and it was a proper ground in the... I just like going there. I, I love going to Goodison still. But it's all bullshit because... Now it's all Wolves, all the great atmosphere and this sort of thing. That's because they've been down for 20 years and the people who got the season tickets are the loyal fans. Once Stoke had it for three years, as soon as they were came an established team, the atmosphere died because all the fucking glory hunters came along. Oh, uh, Leeds fans, we're the greatest fucking atmosphere. Well, you know, as soon as they get promoted, their atmosphere will fucking go because football is targeting a different audience to what we went to in the old days. I remember, I remember coming out the, um, remember the three-three game, ninety-ninety, uh, coming down the Kipak steps and McClare twice. Yeah, and um, what a day! It, it felt like we lost that yeah. game. Yeah, I'm not surprised. United, United, we could have lost it. Palace's shot. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and United had a little bit of the Kipaks in the corner. And when he came down the steps, I'm not saying it should go back to them days, but there was an edge. He came down the steps, and there was actually five hundred on one side, five hundred on the other side, and they wouldn't get on the coaches. They would just stare at each other out. They were, just, they were just like one-on-one eyeballs. And that's what it really fucking mattered. It was like the working-class people of Manchester. It was their week to go to the game on a Saturday. And the football was their life. And the trying of people that are trying to attract to the football now, it's not their life. They want people for a day out, like they're going to fucking Gulliver's or Alton Towers, who can spend the most in the fucking shop. And it's, it's really sad, isn't it? It's just really shit. You're saying about lads staring each other off and you mentioned Wembley in 2011. I remember walking down Wembley Way and two groups of lads, lads, City and United, just fronting each other up, but they knew they were being under surveillance, they knew there were cameras, the police were watching them. And basically, whoever swung the first punch was going to get charged and nicked up. So nobody would. And yeah, it was just a well, bizarre thing. It was like something Animal Kingdom about it, watching these two fellas, these two groups of lads sizing each other up and nothing could happen because if you did you, you there obviously was some uh, there are some bits and oh I know there was, yeah, I know there was, there was I know. more than a few bits was. Yeah. but the way that day was obviously I mean I think City have always had great support in Manchester I'm not going to go into your Rush Homes 8% this and fucking you know, you're used to do but um, two things there was more City coaches coming down that day but the United fan base... they all went for the weekend the day before. Oh, OK, right. But the United fan base was a younger fan base than the City fan base. You could see they were kind of 15 years uh, old, younger. And there were more younger lads with United. So United had better firms out. They had bigger numbers sort of thing. And that was one thing. So for all of the takeover, I mean, if we wouldn't have the takeover, uh, you know, we would, have, we would have lost the next generation. We had to fight for the one before... Uh, people follow a winning team, don't they? And unfortunately, that's people and glory was. There's people who are City fans now who would have been United or Liverpool fans because you know they, they latch on to City and stuff. But all right, them being City fans on the telly, you've got to get them in the ground as well. And you know, if, if they can't, if, if they can't get into the ground easy, that's they're, they're not really a fan. They're wasted as well, aren't they? What was the first leg of this game like? I'm mean, only, I'm only giving you five seconds each to answer this question. Old Trafford, you won 3-1. Go on. 
Uh, should have been five at half time. Right, that's it, go on. Disappointing, should have left you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your views on, on Pep as a, as a person, as a manager? Do you think he'll stay around? Does it matter if he, if he does or, or if he doesn't? He's not going to stay around long term. He's not going to, he's going to sign a new contract, so it's whether he stays this year or uh, goes in a year's time. Um, obviously, what's got on top, like Fergie, what's got on top. So if you win the Champions League, he'll fuck off, won't he? I think... I don't know if he's trying to engineer a row with the fans because he's turned around and said that he's staying sort of thing and it's up to the club to let him go, but... It, you know, you must understand... That he's played, he's been at Barcelona with a fucking 98,000 capacity stadium and there's been 22, 32, 42,000 people in that fucking ground. Yeah, it's and he can't cup games. Yeah. Barca's gates swing wildly. And, and, and Soriano, when he was at Barcelona, the atmosphere was absolute dog shit. And it's only when he's fucked off that their, their boys have got the bottom tier yeah. uh, on the left hand side and, 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 and has raised the atmosphere a bit. So. It's a corporate beast now, say, unfortunately, and, he, and he's trying to do like, yeah, I know one of his things he was told when he comes to it was, you're going to like the blue touch paper. The average crowd in the Champions League is like 50,500. 50, it's not a fucking bad crowd. When we had, we had Fulham on uh, Sunday, 39,000 was the crowd, right? There was 1,000 Fulham fans. If it was a Saturday at 3 o'clock, it'd be a start, no problem, because Fulham would bring 7 8,000. Who's going to go for 6 o'clock in the morning to come for a game that's live on BBC One? The game would have been a fucking sellout, regardless. I remember United were the, um, in the, were the top of the league in the 90s. We played a flight home Madrid. They had lost 3-0 in the first game. That was there. And the second, the second game, the second game, was a bit sad over this, Second game was a 39,000 crowd, and Reddish turned around and said, Where were you, you part time bastards? 39,000 against Fulham in the fourth round of the FA Cup live on TV isn't a bad crowd at all. You can, you can say the atmosphere was shit, of course it was shit. This ground was full of families because the, the cheap tickets were around every section of the ground, not in one bit. So he needs to understand. I think he thinks that City are like. Uh, unlimited support and unlimited wallets and it's not the case the club has this view that City should have the same prices United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool Tottenham because we have the same product of top six products but we don't have the three of them clubs in London and the other two United, Liverpool have fans all over the place we have got fans all over the place but there's still more around here so it's, it's not quite the same as fucking Chelsea or Arsenal you know what I mean yeah, I mean, Final couple of minutes on, on Pep. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'd sort of like agree with a lot of that. Like, absolutely love him as a manager. Best manager we've ever, you know, best manager we've ever had. And he'll be gutted when he does go. I like to see him extend. But, but yeah, like Dancy said, he, I, I think he gets set up sometimes by the press with these questions about City support because nobody questioned Solskjaer last week, as far as I know, about about the Burnley game when United played Burnley and a lot of United fans didn't turn up probably season ticket holders so he, he gets set up but he doesn't do himself any favours when he keeps sort of like tackling it and saying oh yeah well I hope, I hope it's a full ground against United or this that and the other um, but maybe the club like you've got some, some responsibility there to brief him um, and really if you look at City's history then he'd, he'd see like okay we have been dog shit for like <laughs> three or four decades like but, but we've had a history of winning trophies throughout certain decades so we're not actually and I think we've probably existed longer than his beloved Barcelona have so maybe you should uh, maybe you should have a, like, a little think about it sometimes but the club should brief him as well he's uh, thinking, back, sorry he's around it he's thinking out loud because he turned around and said and I think he's maybe doing a bit of a plugging thing City and United are both fucked up over this allocation thing full allocations it's a sell out both grounds yeah. there are only a thousand short tonight but it's not a full out they got it wrong yeah so they got it wrong and we wrote and, it, and, it, and it basically he's thinking out loud saying well I hope that, you know, it's a full out on uh, against United yeah. the week before he turned around and said oh the League Cup's not really a priority maybe we can get rid of the League Cup and all this sort of thing at the same time where the club i.e. Soriano is trying to agree an extra four games minimum for the Champions League from 2023 24 and um, that was the minimum we wanted so final final minute what do you think of Manchester United in 2020 um, I can't believe how far you've fallen after Ferguson left but it goes beyond Solskjaer it's, the, the, there's no football club, club no football people running the club 
and that's what they need. Just just anything like get a couple of football people on the board. And, and at the end of the day, United aren't going to be down there forever, unfortunately. I used to go in the club called Sweaty One Piccadilly and uh, I used to drink Sweaty Sweaty, bottles of Sweaty Sweaty. And if I could find a bottle of Sweaty Sweaty big enough to cover of cover Manchester United, I'd be fucking loving it. I don't know what you're fucking moaning about. You need to accept you've not got divine rights to win everything. It's not even a fall. You're fucking fifth, sixth. You probably get fourth because Leicester will drop away. Uh, the guy's had no money. He's doing a good job. Fucking... If you get rid of two managers that's won European Cups, Mourinho and Van Gaal, and replace him with a guy that's fucking won in Norway, which is like fucking winning the, the, the Gola League or the fucking conference, right? You need to understand privatised long, long, young players. You're not going to win it for two, three years. So there's no point fucking moaning about it. That's the way you go in. That's your strategy. So fucking deal with it. But you're not, you've not had a fucking fall, have you? Boys, thank you for your time. I hope you lose by at least three goals tonight. Can I have a score prediction, please? Um, two, two all. Four nil City. Thank you. <laughs> City nil, United one. Most other circumstances, that would be a fantastic result. Well, it is a fantastic result, but it's City who are going to Wembley. Stood in the ground now as the last of the fans are being cleared away. Both sets of fans abusing each other. The thin line of stewards between the 3,000 Manchester United fans and the City fans on either side of them has held firm. Objects have been thrown. We've seen blue seats pinging back and forward. We've seen Marcus Rojo in the away end as well. I'm going to try and speak to him tonight before he heads back to Argentina. And I'm with Harry, who sometimes does this podcast. What do you make of that, mate? It's, it's, it's a good win. It's weirdly gutting because the chance was there. Um, at the end with the free kick yeah I mean everyone on Twitter is saying Matter should have taken it but yeah. you can say what you like about one free kick is, is probably not going to go in but United threw that tie away in the first half at Old Trafford second half did pretty well this game did okay I mean City were City were really poor United were maybe marginally better got a lucky goal with the only shot of the game apart from that Fred free kick and yeah, it's weird to come away from a 1-0 win at the Etihad a little bit gutted, but that's the way it is. City were all over United in the start of yeah. this, this game and they had chances. I think, um, I was going to say Vidic then, <laughs> Matic's shot uh, was the 10th shot of the game and the previous nine had been, yeah. been for City. Yeah, and that, that kind of sums up United's performance in both legs, not just this one. Um, and it was a really well-taken goal. But the thing is, you come away from this game and for the second time this season, I've seen United beat City at the Etihad. And that's, that's clearly another thing to put on social CV is the Etihad, the part of the Prance, various places, Wembley, twice at the Stamford Etihad. Bridge yeah. twice as well. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a few big wins there for Solskjaer now and this is one that won't do that much to, to not save his job, but to add to his reputation. But... It certainly stops the, the flow of negativity that we've had at United for a few, few weeks with five or six defeats in the last few months. It's been a pretty strong flow. The news that Bruno Fernandes is signing has definitely been welcomed by Manchester United fans. What have you made of it? It's a good signing that it's taken, what is it, 29 days in January and a whole summer transfer window to do it is worrying. But clearly United thought he was the, the one that they wanted rather than any other midfielder. And, to be honest, if, if they think he's the right person, then to go after other players perhaps would have been silly. They've eventually paid, what is it, 55 million, potentially up to 70, 80. Euros, so that is 46 yeah, million pounds. So yeah, so it's a lot less than Sporting wanted. Yeah, so about, what is that, 60 million, 65 million pounds, if, if you include if, the add But there's big ifs yeah. there. Yeah. Like, if he wins the Ballon d'Or or if Manchester United win the <laughs> Champions League. That was got, Anthony Martial's as well, Getting the it? Champions League first. Yeah. Um, so it, it's clearly a good signing. It's something that the second half here was... Uh, you've rarely seen more evidence that you need a player like Bruno Fernandes because the, the shit out there with Jesse Lingard was hooked off after a mistake. City bring on David Silva for Riyad Mahrez and United bring on Andreas Pereira. And when Bruno Fernandes comes in, you know he'll be starting every game and every week. So with Fred behind him, linking up, potentially exciting that. Yeah, and McTominay shouldn't be too far away. Yeah. United's 
Midfield, after a couple of injuries, is, is a real worry. When you've got the first choice there, it's, it's OK. Um, I think Bruno Fernandes is coming in and there'll be a lot of expectation about him. Um, he's coming in January to a pretty, not, a, not an unsettled United side, but certainly an, an out-of-sorts United side, a lot of pressure on him. Um, reasonably big money, so expectations might have to be tempered slightly, but you've got to hope that he comes in and adds some goals, a couple of assists to, to a team where basically only Marcus Rashford has scored this season. The ground is almost empty now. The lamps are going onto the pitch to give it some sunlight. And with McTominay being out, Matic has played the last 10 matches. It's the first time he'd uh, scored today and then he got sent off with a second yellow, which, well, there were small hopes, but they dampened him a lot when he went yeah. off. Yeah, and and to be honest, it wasn't a, it wasn't a tackle he really needed to make, especially as a as a what is he 31, 32 year old midfielder who's played at the top for a long time. He wasn't even the last man back for United. I think Maguire or Lindelof was there, ready to to try and mop up the counter attack and to make that when you're one 0 up, you need one more goal to force it to extra time. Is a, a really stupid decision, and I think Solskjaer will be rightly fuming about that. And. I think I think he could, has a right to be angry at quite a few players today who underperformed. Victor Lindelof was pretty poor. Maguire gave away the ball in a couple of really tight situations and, and Matic gets himself sent off. Lingard had a poor game. So that's four players that have question marks over performance today and United have still won 1-0. So a couple of, of fewer injuries and, and perhaps this is a win and United have a, a chance next extra time. I think that's a 10th win in 14 Cup games this season, but it's yeah. City going to Wembley, which is a shame. The League Cup would have been a good one to win for Solskjaer. Yeah, it really would have been. And, and that first Mourinho season where we beat Southampton, the, the Zlatan double was, Great was game. huge. Yeah. Um, not, not that we deserved it based, based on some of the game at Wembley there, but that, that League Cup day out was, was a really good one. Um, and had we had something like that under Solskjaer, it, would give, it, would just, it always gives you that, that little bit extra time just to enjoy yourself at, at a cup final and then carry on for the rest of the season we haven't got that boost now Wolves next on Saturday before that Bruno Fernandes is going to sign and obviously talk of protest at the Wolves game on Saturday yeah um, a lot of talk about it don't think anything will happen um, I think there's quite a lot of opposition to the, the ideas that were suggested I think rightly so We'll, we'll see if Bruno Fernandes makes his debut. I, I assume it'll probably be as a, a sub if he, if he is going to play against Wolves. But that's, that's quite an important game. and um, It might be a battle for fifth, but <laughs> it's still important for United's season. And Chelsea aren't too far ahead. So if Bruno Fernandes makes his debut in that, there's a positive. But I'm certainly not going into that game confident. We've got a new United we stand out on Saturday against Wolves. The deadline for subscriptions for that is Thursday night. So... If you've got a subscription, if you order the next 10 issues or a digital subscription, go to uwsonline.com, that's our website. Thanks for all your support. It's a decent issue. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there, real for varied uh, material. And uh, we've worked hard to get that done, and that'll be on sale outside the ground uh, on Saturday at Old Trafford. And that's where we'll be joining you for the next United We Stand podcast. Until then, take care and goodbye. Yeah,